0: Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy to spend some time with us, Chip and Zay, on an off-the-rails Thursday. We will uh, be talking to our, our man Lance Taylor, our SEC insider and prognosticator, probably doing some carpool karaoke with us around 1.30. Glenn Stretch-Smith for our weekly Cowboys segment About 215, but Zay Quinn, yours number three. I mean, right in his backyard. He grew up in South Lake. He is going to start the football game for the Texas Longhorns at quarterback against the TCU Horn Frogs. Steve Sarkeesian said, I didn't see any limitations. He looked great to me today. And so when you heard that, What was your reaction? What was your right call, Zay Collier? Um, That's what I'm talking about. That's good news. That's exactly what I wanted to
1: hear. I mean, shout out to Malik Murphy. You go 2-0 in your first two starts as a Texas Longhorn, and even though it didn't go ideal for Malik Murphy and he put the horns in some pretty difficult situations, he still got the dub and made some good throws while doing it. So you got to salute him, but now you got your guy back, the guy that is projected to go late first round in the draft this year who has some more tape than- That a lot of these NFL scouts want to see, like, what can you do in the next, hopefully, five games, hopefully six games? If you play six, that means you're playing for a national championship. So I, you know, Quinn Ewers being back, that's what's best for this offense and this team as a whole. But hopefully Quinn Ewers learned a couple of things these last two weeks sitting out. Because that move that he had in Houston, again, I said it, that week is one of the dumbest decisions I've ever seen. If you get hurt early in the game and you feel like your shoulder isn't doing too well, I'm not going to lower my head like I'm Derrick Henry. That's a bad move. So, Quinn, yours, let's be smarter when we're coming back now because now we know you like to scramble and stuff. Let's slide learn to slide my guy I don't know if he has a baseball background or not but he needs to watch some you know Trey Turner tape or something one of the best sliders in the show and yeah again Quinn Ewers being back that's what's best for this team I think this offense obviously flows better when Quinn Ewers is at the helm but I think more importantly you're getting Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford back so even though Derek Williams Jr. Jaron Thompson and Mookie Taft have done very well I think adding more depth to the secondary is best for these next three games starting here with TCU and Josh Hoover who got the start cleared to play by Sonny Dykes he's gonna throw that thing around you know he's gonna try some shit that a lot of quarterbacks probably wouldn't try, but Sark called it competitiveness today. I call it a uh, Brett Favre wannabe that doesn't necessarily have the arm as Brett Favre. So having those two guys back in Crawford and Catalan, I think that's big time too. Her Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones will be back. So hearing that this team as a
0: whole is becoming more and more healthy down the stretch, I think that's huge. Before we get to Steve and I'll let you hear my... Ghetto bootleg audio. Oh, man. Now, do, have you ever seen Stranger Things, Zay? Yeah. So Rodney says that I remind him of the kid from Stranger Things all grown up. <laughs> Which one? I, I need names. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I need names. This says Chip's
0: just doing his job as an annoying, waste journalist. What? <laughs> but- TD says, love you, Love you too, SD. Um, no, I think the fact that you got that reaction out
1: of Sark shows how good you are because you went into detail. Like, you didn't just say the passing defense and the secondary has been getting gutted. No, you pointed out the Houston game and the Kansas State game, and you threw out the stats there. So to get – in which Sark, he was just joking with you, but he did snap at you and – made for a good two-minute question afterwards but yeah man that's you don't give a damn that's what I love about you you're gonna ask what you want to ask and you're still respectful and you're still you know you understand the game but yeah you're gonna get your point across and force the coach to answer it you know as much as he can but Sark does a good job of you know, moonwalking his way out of things. He'll dance around the question on that ass and that's what he did. But (laughs) yeah, man, that's why you're one of the best, my guy.
0: Well, I appreciate you for that, my man. I am, uh, I'm just trying to be the messenger for the, for Longhorn Nation. All right. Here is the moment that uh, Steve Sarkeesian announced that Quinn, yours, is going to start against TCU. I'd say the, the biggest thing to note now, uh, Quinn's going to start Saturday night, and, and we're
2: obviously as a team excited about that. He's had a great week of practice. I um, feel very comfortable uh, with his ability to, to operate the offense. Uh, I think he is certainly our medical team feel very good about um, where he's at health-wise. And so uh, we're looking forward to having him back. I think we're very fortunate that Malik got those two starts under his belt. And so knowing uh, in the future if something, you know, Quinn wasn't able to go, that we've got really quality backup that's won two ball games for us, one of which against a, a top 25 team, a really good defense. So uh, we're, we're fortunate in the position that we're in, uh, but it'll great. It'd be great to have uh,
0: number three back out there Saturday night. How about that? Yeah. Could you hear that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Okay. Um, so let's see here. All right. Well, we'll just continue on. I think, uh, this, um, this is Steve Sarkisian continuing on about Quinn yours. Coach, we'll go ahead and get started with some questions. Danny, start us off. Um, Steve, I guess we'll just kind of stay with that. What did kind of show you this week that gave you the confidence that he's ready to go and um, that he's, he's good to go?
2: Well, I think it started really coming out of the Houston game. I thought his approach to the injury um, was was very professional. He did the work needed uh, from a rehab standpoint. He stayed very engaged uh, with the team and with us offensively. You know, he was wearing the headset. Uh, in game on the sideline, hearing the play calls, hearing the adjustments. Um, so that when he really came back to practice this week, when he really practiced, it didn't feel like there was a lot of rust, you know, not only physically, but mentally. And I thought he got stronger as the week went on, uh, really throwing the ball. And he went out the last two days, and I didn't feel like there was a throw he couldn't make. He made all the throws in, in a very comfortable fashion. Um, I thought he managed uh, the, the game plan really well.
0: Boom. About that action. Yeah. Um he
1: ready, he ready. Like I said yesterday, I'm good with a 70% Quinn yours over hundred percent Malik Murphy. If that means Quinn's not utilizing his legs with any 70%, or he can't make, you know, maybe one or two throws, Malik just scares me now. Like he just he just scares me because that dude. When that confidence is down, it is down. And again, he did regroup. I got to g- keep giving them that you know, love he deserves. When it was fourth and six, he threw a dart to JT Sanders to move the chains. So later on, Burt Auburn couldn't make that kick. But yo, yeah, Quinn being back. Yeah, I know a lot of the Longhorn fans are wiping that sweat off their brow because that's a very refreshing thing to hear.
0: Yeah, so... Nor, Norse One is saying the audio is mid. Well, that's because I am, you can hear me typing in the background as I'm like, oh, yeah, getting the news out. Um, but yeah, he was asked if, uh, if Quinn was limited in any way, and Sarkeesian said, uh, pain free, so to speak, is he limited in any way?
2: No, not limited at all. He looked great to me today. Look great. Oh, um, what exactly?
0: So, um, here we go. I mean, I felt pretty good about this uh, game going even with Malik Murphy at quarterback. But uh, now, I mean, look, we only have one. Example, one sample size of Quinn Ewers coming off injury, and it was the Red River shootout a year ago when he tore that ass up. Threw for four touchdowns, looked great. Um, And we talked about this yesterday, Zay, that Quinn had double hernia surgery in the middle of his junior football season at South Lake Carroll. There were doctors who were telling him, hey, just shut it down. Um, and he came back and he helped South Lake Carroll get to the state championship game. It was a state championship game they were not expected to play in. They played against Austin Westlake, they lost. Um that Mookie South Lake Taft Mookie Taft doing what he Taft. does. Okay, now Ethan Burke would say, look who is pressuring Quinn Ewers <laughs> on the two <laughs> interceptions. That would be me. Um and so, in fact, Todd Dodge told me if if Taft didn't make those interceptions, the MVP of that state championship game would have been Ethan Burke because he ended up having two sacks in that game in addition to those two quarterback pressures that led to interceptions. Yeah. So um, our Max Crosby starter kit was showing you a little something uh, in that state championship game. but. Um, you know, I wrote in the insider that uh, Quinn Ewer's reps increased as practice went on this week and that he wants to play. The coaches want him to play. And then it was looking like that was going to be the case. And here we are. So um, and as you mentioned, Christian Jones, Kelvin Banks are going to be available for this game and Jalen Catalan. Jalen Catalan. We haven't seen him since the Red River shootout this year. Um, so that's been over. Well, yeah, that's, it's been a month. And and let's see how Jalen Catalan looks because um, I was writing about, you know, the players who have a stay-or-go decision after this season. Catalan has a medical red shirt that he could try to get. Um and so that'll be interesting to watch. Does he feel like he's he needs that season? Does he try to just blow people away at pro day and get to camp? Um, it's going to be really interesting, Zay, because obviously some of this depends on how deep Texas goes and do they accomplish all their goals this season? If so, you're probably looking at some guys who are, Going to be saying, you know what? I'm ready to move on. Um, so, yeah. it's uh, it's an interesting list. We, we'll we'll get into that um, a little bit a little bit later. But um, our man CB, the greatest volunteer producer in the history of radio, says it's supposed to be in the mid 40s at kickoff in Fort Worth on Saturday. Um, you know that we'll see how that affects Quinn Ewer's shoulder because I remember when Casey Thompson had the thumb injury he was okay in warm weather but when he went up to Iowa State it and it was cold in the 40s he could not get that thumb to relax or you know he couldn't grip the football well enough and he was out of the game and Hudson Card took over um in the first quarter. Texas led that game. It, it, it's like amazing to me. Uh that was the game that Texas lost 30 to seven, but they were up at halftime Texas was seven to three. Mm. So um because Ames is next and in talking to you know some team sources, you know, that Iowa State defense is it's sharp even you know even though iowa state's record doesn't look great that defense once again thanks to john haycock and that three high safety look they execute they they invented it Yeah, they debuted it against texas in 2017 and now people are copying that thing left and right and john haycock is is the man when you were struggled against it a year ago that's why i thought uh-oh that's the game you do not want to have Malik Murphy trying to figure it out. You know, Quinn Ewers has seen it. He's survived it. Now he's going to have to go do it in Ames. Lord knows what the temperature is going to be on November 18th in Ames. I will be there. Oof. You your last mind.
1: time, huh?
0: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you might go for basketball, too. Who knows?
0: No, I won't. I'll go to the Big 12 tournament. I'll go to the NCAA tournament. I will not go games again. Although the Hilton Coliseum is a great atmosphere for basketball. It is. Yeah. Iowa State fans are really, you know, they, they support their team rain or shine, win or lose. And that'll be a, that'll be a heck of an environment on November 18th. So you want to see Quinn Ewers get through this game and, be ready to roll at Iowa State because, um look, all these teams want a piece of Texas, but Texas just has too much in the trenches for these teams. If Texas just operates and executes and doesn't have the self-inflicted wounds, the block punt, the turnovers, the pre-snap penalties, just Just play your game, and you're going to be in the Big 12 championships, eh? Yeah. And
1: I don't know. Hopefully the nerves aren't creeping up on some of these guys. And, you know, what was a blessing in disguise A lot of these guys getting hurt and other guys who are very young, like a Derek Williams or a Michael Taff, who just got a scholarship a year ago. And on the other side, we saw Cam Williams do a decent job against Kansas State, even though he had some self-inflicted wounds. Like you're mentioning, he was still out there giving it his all. And Malik Murphy, obviously, too. So the fact that this team is 8-1 and with all the injury problems that they
0: Yeah, with all the injury problems that uh, that Texas has had, there's no doubt that um, culture has come in to play here, and that this is a this is a team that uh, can count on each other, and and has that confidence that comes from you know being a tight knit group when they get into tight situations, which we've seen on the road at Houston um, and we've seen in last week's game against Kansas State, they didn't panic, they didn't wet themselves. They, you know, just dug deep, dug deep and made things happen. And that's what, uh, that's that's what you want. And now you look at this TCU team um, and, I wrote about this a little bit earlier in the week um, because TCU came into Austin last year and just shut. It's like they pulled the electricity out of Texas's offense, like cut the wires and they got nothing. I mean, they didn't, it's the only game in the Steve Sarkeesian era where they did not score an offensive touchdown. And you look at the firepower that Texas is bringing into Fort Worth on Saturday, obviously, now you have Quinn Ewers at quarterback, but uh, Jonathan Brooks, CJ Baxter, uh, this receiving core, and, you know, one thing Steve Sarkeesian mentioned about Quinn Ewers today is how locked into the game plan he is, and that he's a guy who's really all about the details of the game plan, knows that. Uh, when he is locked into the details, that's when he plays his best. And I think you look at, um, you know, when yours up to this point in the season, and that becomes pretty evident. So now he gets to go back home, just down the road from South Lake, where he grew up, where he, um, you know, went to high school at South Lake Carroll, home of the Dragons. They of course he launched a mullet revolution at South Lake Carroll. His high school coach Riley Dodge told me, "Man, I wish he'd have cut that mullet uh, before it spawned little mullets all over South Lake." Um, and and so you know Quinn Ewers is gonna he should be fired up, ready to go. And if if what Steve Sarkeesian is telling us. Uh, today about he didn't see a throw that quinn ewers could not make and was not limited and looked great to Steve Sarkeesian um today in practice, then here we go. So this will be this will be a, a great indicator of what this offense can can be again with Quinn Ewers. And still, I would say run it 50 times, eh? Hell Let's yeah, man. Demoralize them. Use that. You love your large humans. Have your large humans leaning on that TCU defense. They they don't they don't have the same swag they had last year. No, they don't.
1: And they have some of the same players as they did last year, but yeah, Max Duggan, he ain't walking through that door anytime soon. Quinn Johnson's in L.A., Kendra Miller, you know, all those guys are in the National Football League, and they have taken the hit. But, yeah, before the technical difficulties I had, just the fact that this team is 8-1, and one, all the adversity with all the injuries, all the guys stepping up, like all the youngsters and all the freshmen that you have confidence in throwing out there. Hell, I really didn't feel like I saw Anthony Hill much last week. You know, I feel like he should be chomping at the bit to go back home, too. You mentioned Quinn Ewers going back home. Hey, he's a Dallas area, uh, area kid also. So His
0: best game of the season was against Oklahoma. Yeah. So that stuff matters. It does. It does. I mean, when they get home and they got family and friends around, they they're more focused, they're more locked in because they want to show up and show out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, Zay, when you had – You know, all your groupies at the Bowie Bulldogs basketball game that you average 13 and seven and not 10 and five.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, don't have the Breezies in the stands, man. Yeah, man. Ain't nothing wrong. Everybody always hates on Jordan Poole, used to play for the Warriors, now for the Wizards, because when there's always beautiful women in the stands, he shows out. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. That's gonna make you play better. Some guys need certain motivation, and sometimes that motivation's the honeys. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Yeah. Is is he is he more uh of a player than Swaggy P? Um because Swaggy P was an idiot. Yeah, he wasn't the smartest, but that was
1: D'Angelo Russell's fault. You remember yeah, D'Angelo, D'Angelo snitched,
0: snitched on him, he
1: snitched on him, man. Come on,
0: and Come on, Nick Dunn,
1: he still talks about it. He still talks about, it. he calls D'Angelo Russell. And he don't even call him by his name. He just calls him the snitch. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's always going to haunt D'Angelo Russell because even though Nick Young was wrong for cheating on Iggy Azalea, he was wrong. That's not right. Don't do that. But come on, bro. Come on, D'Angelo. Bro code. That ain't bro, your business.
3: Bro code. Let
1: him get called on his own. That ain't your business.
0: Bro code.
1: He's wins, man. Come on. yeah. When Kobe snitched on Shaq, that ended the Lakers dynasty. They could have had seven rings. They could have kept going. Just kind of put people around Kobe and Shaq. If D-Wade could win with Shaq, Kobe could win more with Shaq. I mean, come on. But nah, Kobe, RIP. I miss you, absolutely. But that was a wrong move to do. When Kobe was caught up in that Colorado stuff, he threw Shaq under the bus. Shaq she too!
0: I <laughs> mean... Mm. Are you kidding me? Oh, look who's here! He's not even in his car. What? Yeah, man, this there is he different. is, a fresh one, Lance Taylor.
4: Hey, boys. Yeah, I. Uh, it's gotten so busy today that I haven't been able to get into my car. Oh, um, yeah. And I just had I had somebody come up here and meet with me, and I was like, "Can I get something to drink?" And you know, we Bud Lights are title sponsored, so we've got all their products here. I'm like we've got Coke and we've got anything Bud Light, and so they started drinking, and I wanted to drink so bad. But I,
0: <laughs> that restraint, that restraint, man. I have been to your next round live studios there in Birmingham, Alabama. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh my God, it's like the fraternity house. Let me show.
4: Let me show Zay this. So this is just a little Bud Light cooler, and I've got it stocked. I'm a big Stella guy. So I got a bunch of Stella's in there, but our friends at Coke gave us another custom. This is our green room. Gave us a custom Sprite next round refrigerator. You see that? Oh, man. But I've got more Bud product in this, this thing than... I don't know if you can get that there.
0: Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. And then you yeah. have
3: Taps.
4: Oh, yeah. I'll show you that in a sec. I, don't, I know your, your listeners are really excited about getting a tour studio. Oh, I didn't see that when I was there. Oh, yeah. Look at all that bourbon. And then I'm just going to show for Zay and then I'll calm down but I just did this tour oh no so Zay's gonna
0: die here uh, so there's yeah, our kegerator okay that's in the studio there's where they do their show right there damn yeah so it's pretty cool pretty I mean, cool let's... we have cold beer all the time ready to roll that is phenomenal and y'all are off the air at 12 o'clock 12 o'clock Woo.
4: That's when it. the party starts. It's funny. So Brock Huard from Fox, his brother Damon and Dan Marino paired up, and they've got a one of the, the best cabernet, Cabernets in the world. And so it's called Passing Time. And so Damon sent me a bottle because I told a story on the air. So I do um, a weekly podcast with, with uh, Brock Huard. And I told a story on the air about how we had parents weekend at the fraternity house when I was in Alabama. This is like 1993, 94, And I was watching Notre Dame against Washington, and Damon Heward threw a pick six that cost me the cover and the game. And I had the cinder block wall, and I had a remote, and there's parents out in the hall, and I throw it against the wall. It destroys the remote. I used to be the worst loser. I'm still pretty bad. But Damon heard that story, so he sent me some of his wine. And uh, UPS tried to deliver it a couple of times. They sent it back to cinder. And I told Brock, I was like, if you give me one of those bottles of wine, I can drink the entire bottle of wine during the show. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, that's child's play. So they've overnighted it. So I will have one of the bottles of passing time on set tomorrow, and I'll be getting into
0: the cab early on Friday. There we go. God, I love it. Well, what? uh, Let's start with uh, with the Longhorns. Obviously, news that Quinn Ewers is going to start against TCU and the line has already jumped up. I think it went from like 10 to 12 and a half in like 5 minutes. Um and they they missed him. That Kansas yeah. State game turned into a into a nail biter, Lance. Yeah, uh, you know, watching
4: that Kansas State game, I still don't know how Texas survived that. And when they had first to go with the four in overtime, I thought Kleiman got a little aggressive going for it. I probably would have kicked cuz At that point, I mean, that game was over in the first half. I mean, there's no way that Sark and Texas should have blown that game. But you saw Malik Murphy lose his confidence during that game. And I still believe if Kleiman takes the three there and they extended another period, they probably win that game. But good for Texas. They're able to survive there. Uh, TCU, and I think, Chip, we had you on yesterday, and you guys know this, and I'm sure you've said this many a times this week, but they have been owned by TCU, and Texas has. And Sonny Dykes 3 0 all time against the Longhorns. Different TCU team trying to become just the second team to reach college football playoff uh, the year after and not have six plus losses. And the last team to do that was Michigan State after they lost to Bama. I think it was 2015. But this TCU team is not very good. If Malik Murphy would have started, I think they had a shot with Quinn Ewers back in the lineup. I think Texas is just too much. So I don't know if they cover the number. Because that number is going to be interesting where it ends up, probably around 13 and a half. But I think they win the game.
1: Last CFP rankings. A lot of Texas fans are pissed because Oregon is ranked sixth and the Horns are ranked seventh. Both teams have won losses. Why do you think the committee did that and would you have done that?
4: Well, I think Oregon is a better team right now. I don't think any of that matters. I think Texas has got the easier path. Uh, you know, I say that Oregon. It looked a little more daunting earlier this year when you had USC and you had Oregon State on that. Still so think Oregon probably wins out. Texas probably wins out. Depending on what happens in front, I think it would be a fascinating debate because as good as that Texas was, win was in Tuscaloosa out of conference. I still think Oregon against uh, Utah winning that game thirty-five to six with how they dominated Utah at home is kind of in the same neighborhood as the Texas win over Alabama, Texas is much bigger brand than Oregon though. So I think if it comes down to it, you know, the problem is, is there a little nostalgia for the PAC 12 with that committee saying this is their last year. Um, this conference is last year. People have been begging for a PAC 12 team to be able to get back in the college football playoff. And now you have that opportunity. What I would say is, you know, Oregon decided to bolt from that conference. Um, so I don't know what happens there. Um, I, You know, I don't think Oregon loses again, though. So I
0: think it could get really interesting. Yeah, someone's going to get squeezed. you think you know, Florida State's going to make it undefeated? I I do, Chip,
4: but I, I do think, you know, Florida State is uneven at times. And you go back to this last week against a bad Pittsburgh team, their offense was just off. But you still got to go to the Swamp to play Florida. And Billy Napier is going to be coaching for his job because, you know, they've got LSU this weekend then they've got to go to Columbia games. They're probably going to lose. So it might come down to a one game situation, whether Florida's bowl eligible. And I think Florida is good enough on their best day and Florida state's worst day to upset them. So I think there's still that possibility. I would feel better about saying right now, I
0: think Florida can beat Florida state than TCU can beat Texas. Ole miss and Georgia. Ole Miss going to Athens. The Bulldogs are 10 and a half point favorites, or at least they were when I wrote my notes down. Um, what do you see in this one?
4: Uh, last time Ole Miss played in Athens was way back in 1996. George has got 24 straight home wins. Uh, I think we've undervalued Carson Beck. Uh, he's one of five FBS quarterbacks right now with 2,500 yards passing. He's completed over 70% of his throws. He's doing it right now without his best player. Um, I said this, I think it – catches up with them sooner or later without Brock Bowers. But because Ole Miss is a top 10 team, I think you've got Georgia's attention now. And by the way, Ole Miss 0-14 all-time against number one teams. Lane Kiffin in his coaching career, he's coached in 11 games against top 10s. He's 1-10. So headset, Kirby Smart, uh, quarterback as much as I like Jackson Dart, Carson Beck, home field. Um, I think Georgia will be rocking between the hedges. This will be the most important home game they've had this season. So I think Georgia rolls here. I think they win the game by 14-21. to
1: Lance, how impressed are you with Oklahoma State and what Mike Gundy's doing? I mean, losing to South Alabama the way they did earlier in the season and then to beat Oklahoma this past weekend in the Bedlam game, how impressive are they? And how interesting is that Oklahoma Sooners team after they beat Texas and now they lost two straight to Kansas and then Oklahoma State?
4: You know, when we had Chip on, was it yesterday, the day before? I can't keep up with it. Yeah, Uh, yesterday. When we had you on yesterday, we were talking about Mike Gundy's probably your Big 12 coach of the year right now. I know Sark's in the mix to win a championship still, but, I mean, Gundy, what – for being able to pull them out of the ditch, and I heard this story. You might have told it. I don't think you did. I think it was Tom Luganbill that in their bye week, you you had part of this, but I heard that Ollie Gordon went to to Mike Gundy and said, I need to be the focal point of this offense. And once that happened, and you brought up the three-quarterback – rotation which wasn't working but once the focus was ollie gordon this team has completely changed and i think they're a tough out now as soon as i say that they'll lose this weekend in orlando central florida this is how this stuff works (laughs) um but you know if i'm an oklahoma fan i don't think you get too down because it's still a much better product than you had last year it's a tricky game against west virginia but i think they win that one um but i think oklahoma state i think they're 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 good they're good they're a tough out right now and alan bowman is a guy that it's finally his job. He's playing with confidence. Went over three hundred yards this past week in that game. So I think they're
0: a pretty good team. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed. Allen is and can he stay healthy the rest of this season? Because he's he's fought that bug. Um, well, you mentioned Oklahoma, Lance. Um, they they lose back to back. Lose to Kansas. Lose to Oklahoma State. Now they get West Virginia. Uh, coming into Norman we've kind of forgotten about West Virginia since they lost that Hail Mary uh, disaster at Houston but West Virginia's pretty good in the trenches they got a decent running game what do you what do you think
4: yeah uh you know Neil Brown is a guy that we when he was coaching at Troy we had him in the studio a couple of times really nice dude and I was pulling for him but you know his first couple of years the offense was off when it just wasn't a good product But now you look up, they could have eight wins. You know, if they wouldn't have had that walk-off against Houston that you mentioned, they could have ended up with nine wins, possibly. Um, You know, I think he's done a better job. I think he's probably going to be able to survive now. As far as Oklahoma, the problem is now the defense is much better than it was last year. But your go-to guy offensively has become Drake Stoops. and. (laughs) <laughs> He's not bad, but I just never thought we would live in a world, you know, when we see – we've seen the CD lambs of the world that, you know, that you've got a guy like Drake Stoops is your go-to guy. But um, Oklahoma is better than I thought they would be this year. I think it's a tricky game, but I think Oklahoma wins it. I probably would stay away from it right now, though. It's not a number I want to lay. Yeah, they're laying 13, right? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of big. I mean, if I had to play it, I probably would lay it just because it's – so inflated.
0: Yeah. Lance,
1: a lot of Texas fans are going to be locked in on this Utah-Washington game. I know it's in Seattle, so that's going to be tough for the Utes. But who do you like in this one?
4: I I mean, I like Utah. I don't know if I like them to win. Kyle Whittingham is an elite coach, and I would battle anybody on that. We were talking about Lane Kiffin. I brought up the fact that he's 1-10 against top 10s. James Franklin, 3-16 against top 10s. Kyle Whittingham, since he joined the Pac 12, is three and two against top five teams. So this guy knows how to win in these spots. Bryson Barnes is going to be the X Factor. Really played a breakout game as far as throwing the football against kind of a pesky bad Arizona State team this past weekend. But if you look at this, since he took over the starting job, he's three and one as their starting quarterback. He is leading the Pac 12 as far as rushing yards for a quarterback. And in the three wins, he's gone 50-plus on the ground. In the one loss, he went four yards on the ground. So if Bryson Barnes can create a little bit with the legs, um, Jackson running the football and playing that really good defense, pressuring Phoenix, Washington's probably playing outside of the USC game up until then was was not playing great elite football. So I think Utah's got a great chance here. It's going to be a really good atmosphere in Seattle, though, that 230 Fox game. And I would say this – Washington is seven and two in the Pac-12 against Utah. That is Utah's worst record against anybody else in that conference. So for whatever reason, for Utah, their kryptonite has been Washington. But I think Utah's got a great shot here.
0: Well, Texas fans are also going to be locked in on your uh, your team. Oh, it, was,
4: it was funny. I got to bring this up. So last weekend I was in Tuscaloosa for LSU Alabama, and so we hit some some of the bars before the game, and. That early session when Texas had the big lead, nobody was paying attention. And then Kansas State started to creep, and the bars were all over it because everybody there wanted Texas going down. So it was just an emotional roller coaster. And it's just fun when you start scoreboard watching in the month of November other fan
0: bases. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Texas fans are going to be staying up late to watch USC at Oregon. Oh, God, I want to see it. I don't think we're going to see it, but I want to see it. 9:30 9:30 Central Time kick. Oregon's favored by 16 and a half. Lincoln Riley just fired Alex Grinch as his defensive coordinator. You're a USC Homer. Your thoughts? Well, they're looking to beat USC for a third straight year, and and
4: this is, I mean, this Oregon team's really good. I think they're the third best team right now in college football, and they've got 28 sacks on the year, which is 14th in the FBS. They've only given up four sacks, which is second. So that's a um, that is a model for success in itself. And on the other side, you, you, you said that you, that Alex Grinch was fired over the last six games. They've given up forty four points per game, and this is crazy. USC's last fourteen games against top twenty five opponents. What do you guys? What would you say their record is? Their last fourteen against not top tens, not top fives, top twenty five opponents. Three and eleven. Close, two and (sighs) twelve. I mean, they can't beat quality opponents. And now you're playing an Oregon team that's playing with a ton of confidence. USC's defense is garbage. The only way you beat Oregon if Bo Nix has one of these bad games, and he's just playing elite football right now. And, you know, I I just don't think USC's defense. I mean, the only way USC wins this is like 65 to 63, one of the more epic track meets we've seen in the history of college football. I mean, that's the only way they're they're going to be able to do it.
1: All right, Lance James Franklin, you just talked about his record against those. Big game, James. The game, James. Man, there's a lot of distractions going on in Ann Arbor, though. I don't know. what the I, I think
4: it's it, so. I was covering. We were and I hated this. It was like one of the worst seasons ever. It was a great season because it was, it was historical in the fact that Auburn won a national championship with Cam Newton. But it was frustrating because I'm one of those, I don't like to talk about these Michigan scandals. I mean, I know it's it's a necessary evil. You have to sometimes. But every week we were talking about Cam Newton. And every fan base that wasn't Auburn-related wanted him suspended. They wanted him out. And what it did was it galvanized that program. Now it helped that Cam Newton was one of the best college football players we've ever seen. But they came together and they played with a chip on their shoulder. I think you're seeing it from Michigan right now. And the only thing I would say is if they've cheated, it still doesn't get you beat by 38 every game. And Michigan is trying to become the first team since 2017 to lead the FBS in scoring and total defense. And this defense is just lights out. Drew Aller has never seen anything like this. The only thing that scares me is Michigan's only a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. J.J. McCarthy is an elite quarterback, I believe. He hasn't been asked to win games yet. This might be a situation, but because it's an 11 o'clock, feels a night game, I'd be a little more scared. I'm going to play this, it's a play it, or it's a lay it or don't play it situation for me. I like Michigan to continue to roll here. I think they're the best team in college football, at least right now.
0: Okay. All right. So you said you think Oregon's the third best team. Where do you think Texas is?
4: Texas fans aren't going to like this. I think Texas is five or six. I think they're better than Florida State. I think if Alabama rematched, I think Alabama would beat them right now. Now, with Texas' defensive line and now their ability to run the football and now getting a healthy Quinn Ewers back, you know, I mean, all bets are off the table. But I just think right now my top four would be Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, Alabama, and then either Texas or Washington there at number five. But I think they're all close. I think, to me, outside of one and two, Michigan and Georgia, and both those teams might lose this weekend, who knows, um, I think those are the two best teams in in college football. And then I think there's four other – Four or five teams you can bunch up, and Texas is one of those.
1: Lance, what did you think about the Crimson Tide this past week against LSU? It seems like Tommy Reese has figured out what Jalen Milrow could really do, and Jalen Milrow, he's been productive. And now they go up against Kentucky. Where do you think Alabama's at, and how they looking to you?
4: So we just uh, signed an NIO deal with Jalen Monroe yesterday. We had him on the show for the first time today. So it's going to be a weekly thing and such a good kid. And I, I admitted to him, I said, look, and I think, I think people blew this out of proportion a little bit. I said early in the season, I, you know, I thought that you're a B quarterback with a lot of potential, but the problem was Alabama fans are used to seeing Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga Valoa and Mac Jones and Bryce Young and these elite quarterbacks. And he's like, you're the kind of guy that motivates me. You guys saying that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay. I, it wasn't like a slight. I mean, we're talking about guys that are all starting in the NFL right now. But I love the confidence. Uh, such a passionate kid. And I think him and Tommy Reese, let's not forget Tommy Reese, a 31-year-old coordinator working for Nick Saban. So I think it took a little bit for these guys to get comfortable with each other. But I think the strength is going to be Jalen Milroe running the football. And, boy, he looked good on Saturday. And for that Alabama defense, and I know – Jaden Daniels got knocked out early in the, the fourth quarter but to hold LSU to 28 points that's impressive so Alabama is by far playing their best football of the year right now and that was their best performance 11 of 14 against a bad defense on third downs it's going to be hard to beat Alabama if Jalen Milroe is playing clean football and he's playing with that kind of confidence what's the biggest adjustment that they've made to help him I think letting him – well, I think a couple of things, Jeff. I think he's starting to process, process the game a little bit, so it's slowing down. But I think one of the things that was really ingrained in him was you don't necessarily have to take off and run the football. You know, look for some checkdowns. But now it's like, if you can run it, run it. Like, I don't know if people realized he was that good in the open field, and he is. Yeah. And it, Texas it, – Alabama's been playing football since 1892, and he had a first. He was the first Alabama quarterback to ever rush for four touchdowns in a game, and that's crazy when you think about the Alabama offenses back in the day with Bear Bryant when they were running, you know, wishbone. And, you know, even some of the great athletic quarterbacks that nobody talked about, like Joe Namath used to be an athletic guy before he tore his knee. Kenny Stabler was a really athletic quarterback. Um, Obviously, guys like Jalen Hurts, for him to do something that's never been done in the history of Alabama football, it's pretty nuts.
1: Yeah. Uh, talk about the process of signing him to the NIL deal, which congrats to y'all, by the way. That's pretty big time. But what was the process in that coming all together and whatnot?
4: So Chip knows one of my co-hosts, Ryan Brown, really well. He's our NIL world guy. So he deals with their agents. We've got a third-party, Crane Works, fantastic client. They're very involved in that. So they put these things together. That's different pay grades they I really don't know. <laughs> I know the parties that were involved. And uh, I'm just appreciative that we got this thing done because I do believe Alabama. It's a sneaky early game in Lexington this week against Kentucky, and that number is only 10 and a half. But I think Alabama got over the big speed bump this past week with LSU, and this should come down to a one-game situation against Georgia, winner in college football playoff. Should, but you still got Kentucky, you still got Auburn, both on the road, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't see – any letdown from Alabama in this one? I I don't. uh, I I mean, you can't afford
4: to. This is not your elite Alabama football team anymore. And I saw this number today, and I wanted to share this with you guys. So they have trailed or been tied at halftime in four of their six SEC conference (laughs) games this year. And I've just never seen that in the last 15 years with the Nick Saban team. Now, in those four contests, They've outscored their opponents 82-13 to 13 in the second half. Alabama was so dominant over the last few years in the first half, the games were over at halftime. Now, the good news is this team is resilient. They find a way to win in the second half. But I don't think they're dominant enough where you can get down to a team like Kentucky on the road, Kentucky running the football, bleeding the clock, and playing pretty good defense. That could become a scary proposition. But I think Alabama will be completely
0: focused. Well, in Texas A&M, baby, they uh – I mean, your thoughts on the eggs, our weekly AM question, Lance. They get the uh, Mississippi State coming in to, to college station. They're playing at the same time. Texas is playing 6:30 on Saturday night. Well, I mean, the good news for I mean, think about AM, he's got the same record in year six under Jimbo
4: as Auburn does in year one under Hugh Freeze. It's pathetic. And if I'm an AM fan, I've said this for the last couple of years. I just <laughs> I can't stomach it anymore. And I had A&M plus two and a and 25 this past weekend against Ole Miss. And for Jimbo to cost me again by a half a point, um, I thought that they were going to come back much like, you know, I thought the meltdowns this weekend were going to be Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. Both former Saban assistants survived those games. Uh and the good news for them, they've got a get-right game. Mississippi State is awful. And I'm hearing there is a possibility that Zach Arnett might not make it after the season, one and done, which – kind of hard to do in today's college football. Circumstances are a little different with the passing of a legend like Mike Leach, but the buyout's only $6 million for Zach Arnett, and it's such an unwatchable product right now. that That's going to be an interesting storyline once we get to December to see what Mississippi State decides to do, because if you could get that right guy coming in and you've only got to pay $6 million, I mean, that that might work out for everybody involved. Do you go get Garrett Riley? He's not having the kind of year he needs to have at Clemson. No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I'd take a look at a. I mean, I mean, I don't know who would take the job. Mississippi State's still one of soon to be 16 SEC jobs. So it's still a job that's going to pay in the neighborhood of five to six million if you can get the right guys. So, and Dan Bullen was able to win. I mean, let's not forget the first ever college football playoff rankings. Mississippi State was number one. And they oh, yeah. didn't, they didn't do shit with it, but they still, it shows you they've got an opportunity to at least be in the mix but I don't know. I mean, there's probably a handful of guys if I was Mississippi State. If I could get them, I probably would take. Them. Someone said that Dan Mullen doesn't like recruiting. No, that was Kirby Smart. Yeah, Kirby. Kirby Smart. <laughs> nice little little dig there at the end. I don't I don't think Dan Mullen really liked it. Like I think he was able to keep a lot of talent in the state of Mississippi. And it's gonna go one of two places. And let's not forget when Mullen was doing this, um, well, I guess you had Hugh Freeze in there. But they kept a lot of Mississippi guys in and they were able to develop those guys. And Dan Mullen was doing a great job with Mississippi State quarterbacks back then. But his ceiling was still like nine wins, which in retrospect
0: is pretty good for Mississippi State. Yeah. I figured with his personality, he should he should be just fine recruiting. I know he had some good guys with him, like Tim Brewster and now Brewster, he's with Dion at Colorado. So Brewster can recruit, man. Oh man. Yeah. He's the one who got Vince
4: Young to go to Texas. I see. I didn't know that. We had Brewster on the show one time, and I asked him, like, weirdest meal that he had to eat in somebody's house. And I I think I remember this right. I think it was Squirrel. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I think I'm going to pass on that. I'm going to say, look, don't hold this against me, but I'm a vegan. (laughs) when I get out of the driveway, I'm going straight to the next Burger Shack. (laughs) I ain't eating a Squirrel. All
0: right. So what's going on over at uh, Lance's Lock? You got any – Okay, so full disclosure,
4: I try to be transparent because, you know, this started organically at a local level. Um, I've been fascinated with handicapping. I've been involved with it forever, going back to my days in college where I booked. I lost a lot of money to a lot of bookmakers there. I figured out a system that I think consistently works. So we've been doing this nine years. We've had eight winning years. But this past weekend at LancesLag.com, we had our worst Saturday-Sunday combination in the history of our website. But then we bounced back on Monday with a 5-0. and we were 7-2 and two last night, and I try to tell people, you can hate me all you want, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, lanceslock.com, it's 100 bucks a month. You can try us out, weekly packages. We've got daily packages. But come on board. Uh, we've got five plays up tonight on a Thursday, including a side in the Sun Belt. We've got a total in the NFL. Hoops have started up. We've been scalding hoops early on, both at the college and NBA level. So all leagues, all
0: plays, uh, every day, lanceslock.com. All right. what uh, You got any thoughts on the NFL this, this weekend? Any games got your attention? I'm already dealing. So a couple of things. My Sundays revolve around the Rams. It
4: is their bye week this week. So I'm trying to figure out something interesting to do this Sunday outside of sit there and just drain myself watching the NFL. But I got so absorbed this morning in trying to figure out this game. And I played Carolina last weekend, two pick sixes from Bryce Young. Uh, every time I play the the Bears, they get completely scalded. So, is the deep dive I took in it? I ended up figuring out a total that I like, and so I haven't gotten to the rest of the NFL yet. But I will start checking that out tomorrow because I've almost got all my college dialed in for Saturday. What do
1: like, you think of the Eagles Cowboys game last Sunday?
4: I had the Cowboys and I had them plus three, three and a half, wherever you were shopping it. And when they got down, it was much like Kansas State. Now the play calling was almost as bad. Now Kansas State didn't go backwards. But that wasn't Dak's fault. You know, Dak typically is not good in these big games, but I thought Dak played well outside of if he could have gotten that foot in on the two point conversion, we cover there. So I would not mad
0: at him. You're, <laughs> you're, you're a professional athlete. I know, I know. Turn up field without stepping out of bounds. And he's well, a big ass.
1: loss, man. Chip was blaming him for the loss because no, I was blaming him for that play. <laughs>
0: That play was bad. That, I mean 36 points in fantasy. Well,
4: because it would be so typical Cowboys, if you get that, you know you've got the field goal right there in front of you. Right. So you're playing a little looser. Um, so I think worst case, obviously it goes to overtime. And you know, Jalen has been good this year. Jalen hasn't been as good as he was last year, though. Yeah. So I think the Eagles are, are beatable. And I don't know who's gonna come out of the NFC because I thought Seattle was really good and they got just kicked in the dick this past week against Baltimore, who's really good. Yeah. But San Francisco's in a funk right now. You know you can't trust Dallas. Um, You know, Detroit's Detroit. I mean, can you really trust them once we get to the postseason? (laughs) The (laughs) NFC is really fascinating. I know. I know. Um,
0: But the AFC is just so loaded, man. Yeah. Ravens. All right, Lance, you're the man. Um, So Texas TCU, you wouldn't. I I would have taken a look if
4: Malik Murphy was playing. I had a a weird feeling that TC was going to win this game. And you wonder, and I don't know, internally, you guys know the pulse of that program. Was it like, hey, Doc, if we can get him ready, yours needs to be out there. Hey, Quinn, you came here to win a championship. And if your ass doesn't get out there, we ain't winning one. So I wonder if they're kind of uh, expediting the process a little bit with him. Um, and if he's not 100%, then maybe it gets a little tricky. If Malik Murphy was starting this game and I knew Malik Murphy was playing four quarters, I would take TCU plus the 10.5. Okay. But right now, it scares me a little bit with Twin Yours.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: No, we'll see. But we'll roll with Georgia. Georgia, 2, 5, and 1 against the spread this year. On the other side of that, Ole Miss, 5, 2, and 1. I will lay the 10.5. I have seen Lane Kiffin in these big games before. I've seen Georgia in these big games. It works for one side, it doesn't work for the other. So right now, if I was going to take a primetime game and I had to roll to the window at your, any of these uh, said Vegas casinos, I would ask for a Georgia ticket. I would lay
0: the 10 and a half. Damn. Because Missouri hung with them last week. They did.
4: They did. Uh, but I'll say that Eli Drinkwitz is underrated. I, I I gave the analogy on that guy a couple of years ago. He looks like the burnt sunburned husband that is carrying all of the sand buckets and the cooler and the chairs The kids are screaming behind him. His wife is calling him a loser. You know, I can't believe I married you. You're not making the kind of money I wanted you to. He just looks like that guy that would be henpecked. Looks so overwhelmed, and the guy's actually a good coach. And Brady Cook didn't play great football last week because it's a good Georgia defense, but Missouri is a solid squad.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, They had to go to Athens. That's the problem. That's the problem, yep. Well, Lance, you're the man. Let's do it again next week. Look forward to it. You guys enjoy the football this weekend. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, Lance. There he is, Lance Taylor. Next round live.com. Uh, Out of Birmingham, Alabama. And lanceslock.com for the picks. Zay, pretty interesting take there from Lance about the Longhorns. He says if Malik Murphy was playing in this game, he would have taken – TCU and the points, maybe even straight up. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, not surprised. You know, I mean, Quinn Ewers is obviously the better quarterback and we've seen the inconsistency with Malik Murphy these last two games. Again, he did some good things well and he did some things really bad. So, playing against TCU that has, what, eight defensive players returning from the team that got to the national championship last year and plus they run that three-three-five. No thanks, Malik Murphy. Like, hey, appreciate the last two games, man. You're 2-0. and Thank you. We're all Always gonna remember that, especially toward the end of the season, and especially if the season turns out to be as special as we want it. But three gives you the best chance, man. And yeah, Lance has seen that offense go when three's clicking. And we saw it in the Alabama game. We saw it against Baylor, gets Kansas. So, you know, again, they still have their problems, they're still 95th in the nation when it comes to red zone efficiency, but Quinn Yours is their best bet. And, yeah, the fact that he's cleared to play, that's huge for the Longhorns and everybody's confidence for the next three games
0: starting in Fort Worth. All right. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian on Malik Murphy. And you'll hear my question to Steve Sarkeesian about the past defense when he snapped at me um, coming up here in a minute. But speaking of people who do things well, Apple leasing, I'm telling you, get into the car you want to be driving. It's so easy. Apple leasing. They lease every make and model of car. They're going to get you into whatever car you want, whether you want to keep your payments in the $400 range or get a Range Rover. Apple leasing is going to get you into the exact car that you want. You're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car, so you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford and it's new. It's under warranty. You're not paying for repairs. You're just loving life. Your friends are like, "Woo, what's up with that new car? You're like, yeah, you know. And then two, three years down the road, you're in another new car. And you want to change, make, and model a car? No problem. The easy lease. You lease from a dealership, you're going to be stuck in that agreement if you want to change, make, and model a car. So go to Apple Leasing. It's one of a kind. It's unique in all the world. You don't hear about places, leasing every make and model of car. Um, Scott Crossett, the brainchild behind this, um, you know, took, took advantage of uh, the laws back when he started this business, and he's made it into one of the greatest Austin success stories um, that you'll find. And the customer service is fantastic, they're going to take care of you. So. Just call 346 9977. Get into the car that you want to be driving and tell them Chip Brown sent you at policing.com as well. Um, Zay, let's, uh, we'll talk to our man, Glenn Smith, uh, in just a second. But here is um, what Steve Sarkisian had to say about Malik Murphy and what um, he was able to do. And um, let's see here, what he wanted to get across about the Malik Murphy experience. Um, Yeah, here it is. All right, Steve Sarkisian, I'm Malik Murphy. At the end of the day, Malik was able to get uh, two starts
2: under his belt. So I'm just kind of curious, what do you want him to take away from those two starts? What will be the things that you kind of have conversations with him about his playing time? And not only him, but even Arch uh, being able to watch and have to be ready as well. Yeah, no, I, I think I think Malik, there's a lot of things that he did the last two weeks he should be very proud of. Uh, you know, he, he really tried to execute our game plans at a, at a high level. Um, I thought his ability to throw the deep ball was very evident uh, in both games. Um, his his arm talent definitely showed up, and to create explosive plays, I think he should have confidence uh, that he can make plays at critical moments, that he can put together a drive uh, in, in the fourth quarter against the Kansas State, a very good defense uh, that, that enabling gives us the lead back with – you know, critical fourth down conversion, a couple of nice completions there to, to AD. I think the biggest thing for him is to, when he takes a step back is to look at, okay, where can I improve? And that's the stuff we've been working on here for the last two weeks of trying to minimize the, the not so great place, right? How do we start to eliminate, eliminate some of those turnovers, um, that, that, that have happened? Um, okay. Well, if we reduce those, we eliminate those turnovers. He played some pretty good football for us. Uh, and, um, He should be proud of that, and he's setting himself up for what the future can be. Uh, But that future can be Saturday night. And so, what I'm I'm telling him is, you gotta stay ready. You gotta stay prepared. You gotta stay focused. You gotta stay locked into the plan, Um, like he always does. You gotta be a great teammate to Quinn, like he is, Uh, and and inevitably, arch the same thing, right? Continue to work at your craft. Continue to be a great teammate, so that if and or when your number's called, um, you're ready to go out and perform.
0: All
1: right. Thoughts? Um, yeah, that's true. Malik has to stay locked in and Because Quinn Ewers, he could go down at any moment, and then number six is back out there. So, yeah, I mean, to what Lee said in our comment section, BS, Malik plays, Texas still wins. Yeah, Lee, nobody said that Texas would lose. We were talking about Lance, which the spread is 10 points. Lance said if Malik played, he would take it on TCU's side. Now that Quinn Ewers is playing, he's not. So that, that's what we were talking about. I think if Malik Murphy were to play, that Texas would still win. It would just be more of a struggle than if Quinn Ewers plays. And again, it could still be a struggle with Quinn Ewers. He might not be 100%. We know that he struggled with this three three five type offense that Gillespie's going to throw at him. So those things could come into account but again if sark is play calling is if that's on point if you run the football like you can and jonathan brooks and cj baxter could get going i heard you talking about it when i was having the technical difficulties on it not being pretty if you need to run it 50 times then so be it i'm right there with you partner like That's what it might need to be just to get Quinn yours, you know, back in some type of rhythm so you could get those open looks down the field because that team on the other side is so worried about the run game. So, yeah, you know, I have confidence in Malik Murphy, but – You know, I also know that he'll he's going to throw the ball just randomly, (laughs) you know, to nobody at times. And if they get a lot of pressure on him, who knows how many times that can happen. At the end of the day, it's great that Quinn Ewers is back, but we'll definitely have to lock in on those first few possessions to see if he's 100%. Like, is he going to... Be willing to take off and run like we've seen throughout the season. And if he does, is he going to slide or get out of bounds or not take hits? Is he going to be smarter about it? Like I said earlier in the show, hopefully he does because we can't see that Houston thing happen again for not only the horn's sake, but for his sake. Like, come on, he needs to, he wants to put more film out there for these scouts, I'm sure, because we know his trajectory is to get to the NFL and be drafted in 2024. So he needs to put out more competitive film for the scouts to look at but at the end of the day i think the horns are in a really good situation going to fort worth yes it might be cold and i know that tcu's had their number over the years but hey you got some payback for last year 17 to 10 yeah, I heard Sark talking about these guys that were a part of that last year and a bit salty. They should be salty. And yeah, TCU, they're just another team in your way from getting in, in the way of your goals, which is getting the J-World and plan for a Big 12 title.
0: Yeah, I mean, Malik really reminds me of Sam Ellinger a little bit, but with a better deep ball. Ellinger, his first year in 2017 – Came up with huge turn. I mean, he played well at times, but he had awful turnovers at the worst possible moment. The fumble uh, at USC in overtime that basically ended the game. Uh, the interception when they could have kicked a field goal against Oklahoma State uh, to extend the game. He throws an interception. Oklahoma State wins 13-10. The defense was masterful. Um, Against Texas Tech in 2017. Texas is up 10 in the third quarter, and Ellinger throws two interceptions late, and Texas Tech comes back and wins the game. And he, you know, he got a pass. Tom Herman was like, This is my guy, even though Shane Bouchel started as a true freshman and threw for four touchdowns and beat Notre Dame in 2016. Yo, I thought Shane Bouchel was next, man. I was sold. I was like, yo, this dude's next. He's here. He's here.
1: Man.
2: Shane
0: was money every time. I mean, look, he had a he had a couple struggles, but he he beat Iowa State in that that uh John Haycock 3-8 cloud game, um, 17 to 7, and came in and you know, picked up Texas when Ellinger got hurt. Bouchelle still with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think I think he was pretty pretty damn good, but um, yeah, I mean Malik. It's it's taking him longer to process that, throw it away, dump, dump it down, take the sack. Yeah, and run. run. <laughs> like you can't, you can't make every play. And and that's what's got Texas fans scared. It's what them you know, they saw that Texas was rolling, and then all of a sudden K-State puts one good drive together. And Malik throws it up for grabs in Texas territory. That turns into a two play touchdown. And suddenly K State's got momentum that you're like, where did this come from? Oh, yeah, came from this terrible decision to throw it when there's no one there except left guard Hayden Connor. So look, he'll get it figured out. He's going to be a good quarterback. I don't have any doubt about that. He's super competitive, he's super talented. And he did put together the field goal drive uh, to stop the bleeding. The 20-0 run was ended by, you know, a 75-yard drive where Malik was 5 of 8, led to a field goal. Um, So he got it back together when he needed it. But look, we talked about this. The anxiety of Longhorn Nation, the lack of patience is directly proportional to Texas being this close – To winning a Big 12 championship. So everybody's got no patience whatsoever uh, for anything that is going to get in the way of Texas getting um, not only to the Big 12 championship, but winning the damn thing. Yeah. I mean, let's ask our man, Glenn Stretch Smith, former Cowboys offensive assistant coach who attended the University of Texas dredge how you doing i'm good how you guys doing today well we're uh just digesting that quinn Yours will be the starting quarterback for texas against tcu steve Sarkeesian announced that today at about uh, eleven fifteen, and everybody seems to like the news including vegas the line has gone up two and a half since that uh since that news came in what are your thoughts
5: I mean I, I I like that I don't want to see you know i I think you gotta you gotta head into what you feel like is a stretch run to get into the you know into the college football playoff you got you've got to load your gun with your best bullets and I think there's no question about it. I mean he's the best quarterback. I mean Catalan's probably your best safety I mean not you, you want to see those guys. Get healthy and, and and get in there playing at the right time because it's not easy to come in here to Fort Worth and win. It's a it's a sleepy you know it's a sleepy dang town and it's you know it's 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 always been tough for them to come in here and win. So I think anytime you can get your best players on the field and 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 know that you've got an opportunity here to do something that hadn't been done. You know, since the last time what, when Texas won the national championship, you got an opportunity to get in the tournament. You got to get your best players playing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, stretch. Like, how do you go about dealing with a quarterback that's coming off a grade two AC spray? Because that could be up to a two month process, recovering wise. And Quinn Ewers has missed two games. So, you know, obviously modern medicine is a lot more advanced nowadays, but. That's still something that Texas fans are definitely gonna have to watch this Saturday when they're up at Fort
5: Worth. Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you 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 gotta rely on your trainers. I mean, you gotta rely on those guys to do a great job. And I'm sure he's been rehabbing that thing full time. And I mean, you know, age helps you helps you heal quicker. I I, you know, I, I, they say a grade two. I mean, what's really the difference in those in that rehab time? And obviously. I think pressed into action. Yeah, he may be, he may be a little pressed into action here, but I do, I do think if you're going to go make a run to win this thing, it needs to be with Quinn Ewers. That's just my gut feeling, but yeah, I I mean, I'd like to think that they, you got to give credit to, you know, the Texas training staff and everybody I'm sure that's been working with him are on with Quinn. I mean, you know, he wants to get back out there and play too. And, he's watching the same you know the same mistakes from time to time that the younger quarterbacks making i mean to throw that to throw that interception on that you know on that really what was looked like a screen ball and, and throw a pick six and let Kansas state get right back in the football game you got you got to be able to avoid that versus decent teams and i think you know putting putting giving your starter that opportunity to get back in there maybe it's a little early but I'm sure they can, uh, you know, I'm sure they can feed him some Tabasco and get him rolling in the right direction. Well, the
0: Cowboys and the Eagles stretch. Um, It was a hell of a game. And, you know, your thoughts?
5: I mean, yeah, I thought it was a, I mean, I thought it was really a heck of a football game. I think it was, I really wanted to see the opportunity that Dak had. I wanted him to seize the opportunity of going and making a play, you know, in a signature game to really get it done. Uh, He wasn't able to do that. But I I saw a lot of things out of the Cowboys offense that I felt like, okay, they've kind of turned the corner here. He threw it 44 times, and basically he threw it against the secondary that's not very good in Philadelphia. Um, He didn't turn the football over. I wish he would have taken – you know, I wish you would have thrown the ball away on the next to the last drive instead of taking back-to-back sacks. Yes. Do I wish they would have reported eligible down there when they would have had a first and goal at the six? Yes. Do I wish the, an oblong an oblong object hadn't bounced directly back to the Eagles twice? Yes. So I think you can point to five or six things, maybe even as many as eight things in that football game, and I don't like saying it was a moral victory. I really don't. But for Dallas to go in there, play the way they did, they showed, hey, this is the best team in the NFC. We can go in their backyard. We can play with them. Now we need to go handle our business and get that chance to come back here uh, You know, in, in, in six weeks. Or I think they play them in five weeks here in Dallas. Make a statement and then say, "Hey, we're going to get back in this race in the NFC East." Because I, I do not think the race in the NFC East is over, and I say that because if you look at the Eagles' schedule, I mean, they got a hell of a schedule. So, I, you know, I think I think Dallas has got every opportunity here to to get back in and seize what what could be a, 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 a you know a chance to play for the championship. Now, here here's what they can't I say: all that. And here's what they can't do: they can't lay an egg like they did out in the desert against Arizona. I, I, that can't happen again. And I think the Cowboys know that. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the, how this next month of the season goes, as far as you know Dallas being able to get back in the race for the NFC East and stay within you know two games of the Eagles.
1: Yes, Stretch. You've came on our show multiple times and talked about this run game and the struggles that they're having. And it just seems like Tony Pollard can't get going like we saw last year in that Pro Bowl campaign of his. What are you noticing? Do they need to do anything different, or is just some of their guys on that old line are getting up there in age?
5: Well, I think that I mean I think the Cowboys need to try to you know they've run they tried to run the ball inside a lot. I mean, I think Pollard's a better, you know, perimeter runner, counter runner, um, toss runner. Uh, I think that uh, Dallas will get. I do think they're going to get that worked out. I, I, the Eagles were not going to let them run the football. That, that's, that's. I think what you saw Sunday was then, you know, stack it in there. Versus, you know, playing a a six and seven man box versus eleven personnel. You're, you're one short. And so I think that that's not really a good gauge is to say, hey, where's the Cowboys running game at right now? I think the gauge is going to be you're playing a two and seven Giants team that you're double touchdown favored against. You know, go out and and, and, and cut it loose on these guys. Give yourself a chance twice against Washington to, to you know, really get your game going. And I, I still believe, like I said, I think that it's all in front of the Cowboys, even though that they're two games behind the Eagles right now. I still believe that uh, when we look at this week 16 of the season, it's going to come down to who's playing the best football. And, and I think what the Cowboys proved to themselves was, you know, way hey, we can play with the Eagles and we can play with them right in their backyard. So, uh, again, uh, go handle your business right here the Cowboys with the schedule that you've got in front of you, you've got winnable football games against Carolina, against New York, two against Washington. Go go win those football games. Come back and let the Eagles come in here and play in here. And, you know, the head coach that wants to wear a damn visor in December, send his ass (laughs) out of here.
0: Um, Micah Parsons looks healthy to me. Again, um, your thoughts on this Cowboys defense?
5: Yeah, you know that they—they, they, I, I like what uh, you know. They, they took some criticism for playing a little softer against Brown and 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 Julio Jones and, and an Eagles receiving core that's really good. Bottom line, I don't think they gave up more than two hundred, maybe 35, 40 yards offense. I do like um, that the Cowboys are getting healthy. I like hopefully that Vander Esch will be back in there. I think Bell has done a nice job, and he gets. You know, he got engulfed uh, Sunday by the Eagles center Kelsey when they ran that little rap play um, down there on the goal line, but that's going to happen. I mean, he's a safety playing in at linebacker, so I think if they can get Van Der Esch back, um, you know, I, I still like the Cowboys defense. They'll get after you from a pass rush standpoint, and they need to go, like I said, just go handle your business here in the next month of the season. Uh, and a lot the same way, that the Texas has it all in front of them, being the Longhorns. The Cowboys got it all in front of them. Go handle your business and and, and get ready to make a, a championship run here.
1: Does anybody else scare you in the NFL? You know, I, I mean,
5: I I mean, I think that you know the Chiefs offensively can you know are good. I think the 49ers have shown that they're they're okay. I mean, uh. Detroit is 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 a you know a sound football team, but I mean other than that, when when you really think about it, I mean who else who else is in that conversation? I just you know you're gonna put you're gonna put the Vikings in there with Dobbs at quarterback. I mean I'm not. Uh, are you gonna put the Saints in there playing a revolving door at quarterback? I'm not. Uh, you know and then in, in the AFC, I, you know do the Dolphins. I, do they do they really scare you i mean they 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 can do some they can do some things offensively but i don't think they're i don't think they're that good the ravens are 7 and 2 for crying out loud the steelers are 5 and 3 i mean they can they can't move the ball the length of my yang yang so I, I just you know i don't I, i'm not i'm not real scared of I, i'm not real scared of anybody else in the nfl i think the cowboys are in that conversation and i hate to feel like i'm putting on my homer hat here but I mean, I, right now, w- w- with what I saw three weeks ago against San Francisco, I thought, okay, this is a nine or ten win football team. Then they go to Philadelphia and play them toe to toe with the best team in the NFC. And I'm here to say, hey, they might be a 12 win team with a chance to win the East. Does anybody else in the NFL scare me? I think it's a week to week league guy. I, no, I, 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 that's 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 kind of where it's at. In and oh, no, they don't scare me. <laughs>
0: All right, anything else about the Cowboys that uh, stands out to you right now before I ask you about uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State?
5: Uh you know, I, I, not really. I think, you know, again, I think that uh, Dallas has got a string of games right here that, that you, you ought to see them go and handle business. And I think – and I really do believe that they will. I, I think that uh, – I, I just I firmly believe that this team is going to have a chance – with, uh, you know, with the Eagles playing the schedule there, they're going to play. They, the Eagles got a chance to lose three or four. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, it, it's really going to be interesting, to, I think, to see how that plays out because uh, even though Dallas looks to be two and a half out of it right now, well, they, I mean, you know, Eagles got the 49ers, Seahawks, you know, they got, they got, they got a heck of a schedule coming up. So, uh We'll see where it goes. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, use highly. They 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 stunk it up two weeks in a row. I, I, I kind of feel a little bit for West Virginia having to go in there this week.
0: Wow. all right. Well, Mike Gundy gets uh, gets scoreboard over the <laughs> Boomers after going three and fifteen against the Boomers going into that game.
5: Yeah. And that bothered me too, because the first thing you did as soon as the game was over was put a visor on. <laughs> just, that's just—I mean, I, I love wearing a visor, but that's like wearing a damn straw cowboy hat to the national finals rodeo. It's just—it's a little bit of a fashion faux pas. I love it. Well, listen,
0: I know you gotta—you got roll. We—we uh, we appreciate our
5: precious time with our man Stretch. Hey man, it, it 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 it's good and uh, come enjoy Fort Worth. Where, where are you guys going to eat Friday night, Chip? I'm sure you got something. Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming in day of the game? I'm coming in day of. I'm driving up. Okay, well, coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right off of 35W with your hair on fire. I got it. Good good luck to a swell fella. Hit the hit. The, you'll have to hit the in and out. You won't have time for Joe T. Garcias.
0: No, that's right. That's right. This is, uh, these late night games are wonderful for the fans. They are a bitch for the guys writing
5: about it. You know, <laughs> hey, that's, that's why, that's why you got to hit the buckies. You gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be real imaginative and you know, you, you, you hit the buckies on the way in with a barbecue sandwich, hit it on the way home with the, with the sausage rolls. You'll be all right. There we that's go. That's right. You're talking my language. Stretch, <laughs> get you and get you one of those green label Dr. Peppers. That's that real cane sugar. Burn your esophagus on the way down. That's what that's <laughs> way to do well, that's good to know. Oh my coach, I can't believe I'm having to tell you that. I the always green, lab, green label Dr. Pepper, man. That's that, uh, the fact that you don't know makes me question whether you got a sickle and hammer tattooed <laughs> on your ass.
0: I'm, I'm always getting a Slurpee from Bucky's. Oh,
5: no. Coach, a green label DP. It's not even. It's not even close. You okay. get the green label. All right, it. fellas. Hey, travel safe, man. Stretch, you're the best. Thanks, Steve Stretch. Man. All right, have a and great Colby one. Colby us, too. His
0: son Colby is uh, slinging it for uh, oh, really? or All Saints. Um, all right, Zay. You know who else is uh, is slinging it? How about Great Blue Heron Furniture, you go to greatblueheronfurniture.com and you are looking at the highest end, most beautiful leather furniture. Uh, But don't worry, we have a promo code here at uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered, hook them. You're going to get 15% off, but you go to greatblueheronfurniture.com and they've got it all. I mean, whether it's uh, a couch, a love seat, recliner, bar stools, and you can design your own furniture, it's amazing. They work with you to make sure you get exactly what you want. You're probably gonna wanna redo a room or two because Great Blue Heron Furniture is not built for a few years, it is built for a lifetime. This is incredible furniture. Greatblueheronfurniture.com, go explore because it's worth it. Um, Again, you can design your own furniture right there greatblueheronfurniture.com and while you're sitting in your new great blue heron recliner you can look at your big screen from audio visual consultations avconsultations.com our man tom mckay this guy has been doing it for 30 years and he does it for all your favorite um, restaurants and uh, he can do it for you too. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Um, all you have to do is call 255-8678. And Tom and his crew will bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation. All you have to do is call that phone number. You don't, don't go looking to buy a TV. Tom will beat all the prices on big screens and he's got the best stuff. LG, Sonos, you name it. I mean, Tom McKay and audiovisual consultations done it for three of my houses, including the one I live in. And you can do it for you too. 255-8678-AVConsultations.com. consultations.com right, Zay. Um, today for the chip shot.
1: Hey, before we get to the chip shot, I don't mean to cut you off. I just gotta address what my guy Brandon said here. What, what is he talking about here? Because I I miss this.
0: Um, oh, so in That's the insider, yeah, in the insider, um I mentioned that Quinn took himself out of a few drills on Wednesday. And he did get the majority of the reps um after Lee Murphy got the majority of the reps on. Tuesday. Um, Quinn got the majority of the reps on Wednesday, but he did take himself out of a few drills. So maybe the coaches felt like, hey, we don't need to burn him up on this particular drill or whatever. Let's save him. But uh, Sarkeesian did say today that he thought that Quinn looked great at today's practice, Thursday's practice, because they practice in the morning and that He said he didn't see any limitations. So, um, you know, is, I mean, I don't think there's any question. In talking to team sources, that the coaches wanted Quinn on the field. Quinn wants to be on the field. I mean, this is not some deal where it's like, hey, come on, Quinn, you know, suck it up. No um Quinn's gonna go out there and do everything he can and if he can't he will say and we learned that in the Houston game which is important too like if he suffers a setback in this game or what have you um I don't think he's just gonna go out there and bleed to death on the field so um but that's what that's what Brandon was was talking about and you know he didn't he didn't talk about that because he said that Quinn looked great today in practice. So, um, maybe the stuff that he pulled himself out of was superfluous to what you know needed to get done in terms of the the team stuff. And now everybody's asking: Is seventy percent Quinn uh, equal to one hundred percent Malik Murphy? Zay, you said seventy percent of Quinn is better. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, the I thing about see. the thing about Quinn is he takes care of the football. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll take the sack. He'll he'll throw it away. He's not gonna throw it up for grabs. That's not been a that's not been a Quinn yours issue like it was with Sam Ellinger and Malik Murphy as young quarterbacks. So, and that's look. Sark talked about it after the BYU game, you know, that the two turnovers in the BYU game were, okay, he hasn't had live reps in practice. He doesn't get hit. He might not be able to judge, oh, I can get this off or whatever. Like he raised his arm with that defender coming in on him. Like, no, step up in the pocket, slide, run, take the sack. There's no way on God's green earth you thought you could get that ball up and out ahead of that defender hitting you. Um, And then the next week it was worse when he threw it up for grabs on that screen. He was not really being pressured at that point. Like if you go back and watch it, he just kind of, oh, I see a burnt orange jersey. But anyway. Yeah, two games he had zero throwouts, throwaways
1: like zero and he didn't scramble once either so you know without being my Quinn you were 70 percent that means like health-wise at least Quinn's gonna throw it out of bounds we know that Quinn does that a lot we'll throw it in the red zone he'll throw it in the back of the end zone but like oh man at least run something and I'll get you upset but at least he's giving the team life to live another day so you know, that's the next step for Malik Murphy and obviously other things. But yeah, SD, I'm with you, man. How about we run the GD ball?
0: Like, yeah.
1: No more good run that, at this the point. GD
0: ball. Yeah. Um, okay, so for the chip shot today, I'll just let everyone listen to my question about um. The Texas pass defense. I've had some some players say on the defensive side reach out to me and say, This is gonna get us beat. So I tried to ask the question of Sark today about the pass defense. Here it is. Steve, um against Houston, you know, gave up 378 yards passing, three touchdowns against K-State, 300-plus yards, four touchdown passes. TCU is the number two passing offense in the Big 12. And looking at your pass defense... um, How many yards did
2: those guys rush for that game? Yeah, not much. Not much. But just as far as the pass defense, is there anything you've noticed that, you know, because obviously... um, you know, giving up some yards and, and touchdowns as those teams were able to come back into the game. Yeah, you no, know, I think a couple things. One, when you fall behind in the game by three scores um, and, you, and you have to throw it, you're, you're willing to take a few more risks. Uh, and inevitably, you know, in those games, we got a couple really critical turnovers. Both games, we got two sack fumbles that we recovered. Both games, Michael Taft gets interceptions. Okay. And so, I recognize when you get behind, you start throwing the ball and your and your pass attempts go up. Um, but when you, when you're when you're stopping the run, you can affect the quarterback. You can create turnovers. Okay, people are going to get some numbers in the passing game. Would I like it to be a little tighter? Sure, but we can also do our part offensively and not turn the ball over and not give them short fields because I think that inevitably had much of an impact in that game as well. Um, and so. If we can continue to affect the quarterback, if we can continue to create turnovers, if we can continue to stop the run, um, and, then, and then ultimately not give up explosive plays in the passing game, that would be that would IG. Okay? And so, you know, there were some plays the other day that, that were, you know, we just didn't play very well. Most notably, the sudden change post for the touchdown. Um, you know, the, the fade ball where we missed two tackles and, the, and they score there. Um, if we can clean those types of things up, if a team's going to throw the ball 48, 50 times a game, and then you go average per attempt, and they're you know, maybe a 300-yard day, the odds are we're probably playing in pretty good as a team. And and ultimately, uh, our goal is to come out on top and win the game. But to your point, yes. Can we be better in pass defense? No question.
1: Zay? Yeah, you know, Sark, He's going to dance. He's going to dance around that question and – yeah, it was fun. You and him going back and forth. I mean, he answered the question, just, he danced around it a little bit and he let you know, hey, what was their running like? You talk about the pass game, but what was that run game like? Well... All right, Sark, either way, the passing team coming in is number two in the Big 12, and they throw a ton. Like Josh Hoover, he's going to give you opportunities to make plays in the secondary, but the, them taking chances like they're doing, it's allowed Josh Hoover to put up some stats. And when Chandler Morris has been out there, even though he's not going to play, he's put up some stats also. So, yeah, you got to account for that, especially with the ups and downs that we've seen with the secondary on defending the pass game. And if this team, we talked about it this week, Kendall Browse, him and Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, brother-in-laws, they real tight. They talking every night. Hey, yo, brother-in-law, what'd you do? Oh, yeah, Dylan did this. He got it out of his hands. How quick? Okay, let's see if we can apply that to what we do with the Horn Frogs offense. And like I said yesterday, thank goodness Josh Hoover is not Dylan Gabriel. So you don't have to worry about, you know, what he brings to the table. But, yeah, if they get that ball out of their hands quick and let this defensive line that everybody's starting to really pay attention to, especially national media, be, you know, not be effective, then that could cause some problems. That's why Jalen Catalan coming back is huge. That's why Keaton Crawford coming back is also huge. So you just add more depth to that secondary with more guys, even though Mookie Taff and Jaron Thompson and Ryan Watts was good and Derek Williams, all those guys have been solid, but we have seen from week to week, they'll give up yardage and big plays every once in a while. Hopefully they can limit those this weekend with everybody that they have coming back, including, you know, guys like John A. Berengen into the mix and Jalen Gilbo. So, yeah, the fact that this team is as healthy as they've been all season long, I think that's huge for the next three games. And, yeah, I still think that this defense for Texas, they're foaming at the mouth right now, and they're going to cause some serious problems for the TCU offense, regardless of what they throw at them.
0: Yeah, I just like to see Texas play aggressive because that's what defense is. You know, and when you are up on the line, Malik Muhammad, he didn't play soft coverage, off coverage in high school. He was up on the line. I get it. Better receivers, whatever. But play inside leverage. Take away the quick stuff. And you've got make up speed to go defend the go ball if they decide to, you know, use that inside leverage against you. But be aggressive. As my man Sean Adams said, I'd rather die on my shield than die on my knees. And it's clear this defense struggles when they're in off coverage and letting you know receivers get free releases to get where they want to go against your zone pass coverage. So we'll see. We'll see what strides they make this week because... Um, You know, Rocco Becht can sling it a little bit, too. I mean, Iowa State's offense is not going to break any records this year, that's for sure. But um, everybody's watching. The film doesn't lie. And like you said, Jeff Lebby and Kendall Bryles um, are talking. And you can bet your boomers they're talking. So, um, but Texas has the better team. They got the better trenches. They got the better running game. They have the better quarterback with Quinn Ewers. So, this to me, uh, should be a comfortable. I, I think I said 35 17. Oh, you already given the what you thinking the scope gonna be.
1: Okay. You know. Yeah. Yo, somebody on our text, um, Coda text line asked an interesting question, which y'all can hit that up too if y'all are on the YouTube comic section, 512 222 9328. They said, why would Sark announce Quinn Plan this week and not keep Sonny Dykes and TCU guessing until they see number three trotting on the field Saturday night?
0: I was surprised. Yeah.
1: I didn't even think about
0: that. Yeah you know, but I'll, I'll say this about Steve Sarkeesian. I don't think he, you know, some coaches lie, <laughs> yeah. you know, he doesn't do that. Like Tom Herman would lie. He yeah. just lie. So, you know, Sarkeesian doesn't do that. I think he's been, you know, pretty transparent. And, um, and so I was like, okay, Hey, I look, I think Steve Sarkeesian does a really good job and has hired you know the right staff. I like the way he talks to the media. I think he's pretty transparent with his players. It's why his culture is good. When you're a douche, your culture is not great unless your players come together in spite of the coach, which we saw with – Teams at Texas in the, you know, under John Makovic, like the year they won the Big 12 title in 96, the players were not crazy about John Makovic, but they knew they were a talented group and they just bonded together and decided, let's go do this. And, um, you know, you look at some of the talent that John Makovic had, his talent will go up against any other Texas coaches talent really throughout the years. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I'll break it down one day for you yeah. um, with guys like, you know, Casey Hampton and um, Tony Brackens and, you know, priest Holmes, Ricky Williams. Are you kidding me? So um, yeah, I, I like the way that Steve Sarkeesian handles stuff. I was like, wow. Okay. He's just telling us. Cause he could have said, we're going to continue to monitor Quinn and we'll, we'll see how it goes could be a game-time decision. He could have said that. Yeah. And
1: he's... That wouldn't have been lying. Like, he could said, you know, we'll see each day. Like, but he just flat-out said it straight up. So now Sonny Dykes and crew, they like, go back and gear up for Quinn Ewers, you know? I mean, I lied, too. I ain't blaming Tom Herman for lying. Hey, you know what? We might start at Arch this weekend. How about that? They tell the whole, hey, y'all go, see- this is the first time y'all go see Arch this weekend. Everybody going to see Arch. This is what y'all been waiting for. And then I'm not even have Arch suited up. That's how petty I would be. Shoots, man. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm not a coach. Oh, Lord have mercy. I'd be out of control. Lying. I wouldn't be on the hardball out of control, but.
0: Yeah. And this is, this is I'd another, cool. this is another thing. You know, you could have. You could have started Malik had Quinn as the break glass option. Um, kind of like what you did with Jade Barron or tried to do with him in the Houston game. Hey, uh Jade, get that ankle taped up at halftime. We need you.
1: Yeah, talk about somebody that's better than a lot of people at like 50% or whatever the hell he was. Like, and I appreciate it. You got that cut? We'll start talking yeah. about them. Yeah, because yeah. he is special. And, you know, I think sometimes he doesn't get tested because the opposing team and the opposing offensive coordinator knows he's special, and it's very risky to test that guy, whether he makes a big hit or gets a big-time pick. Like, be careful when is out there lurking because that dude is so versatile and so tough and very prideful of his university and city of austin texas you know there's a clip going around after the alabama game where he was talking about he wants to be a legend in this city like it's pretty badass it gives me goosebumps for somebody who's from this city it gives me goosebumps because he gets it and you see it week to week every time he puts on that burnt
0: orange sark was asked today if if Johnny Barron is not getting the credit he deserves because he plays nickel corner instead of, you know, corner where he's out on an island and Steve Sarkeesian said. Totally agree with you. I I do not
2: think this guy gets nearly enough credit for the player that he is um, on our team. He's extremely impactful. He's got one of the highest football IQs on our team. he always feels like he's at the right spot at the right time. And we ask a lot of him. And the star position is really an interesting position in football nowadays. You know, a lot of people play nickel defense almost predominantly. Some people still go to their base structure, but it's almost nickel predominantly. And so when you think about it, what do we ask of him, we ask him to, to guard receivers in the slot. We ask him to take on all these bubbles, and we ask him to blitz off the edge and pass rush. We ask him to fit the run game and play the run almost like the linebacker. And he does all of those things really, really well. And on top of that, he's a great communicator. Uh, he gets, you know, he makes sure everybody's on the same page. He shows real instincts uh, in his ability to tackle people on the edge and to make plays at critical moments in the game. You know, and a lot of times, some of the plays he makes go a little bit unnoticed. You know, the sack fumble that Ethan Burke causes last week against Kansas State that that Jalen Ford recovers, John A. is really the reason that Will Howard had to hold that ball. They were trying to make a quick pass to the slot. John A. recognizes it and almost baits Howard into throwing it and is going to undercut it for a touchdown, a pick six. He sees it, pulls it down, and because he had to do that, now Ethan Burke's able to get home force the fumble, and then Jalen Ford recovers it. We score one play later from the five-yard line. So a lot of the times, you know, it's not always about the numbers coming out of the game, uh, that the impact that you can have on a game. And so, and then late in the game, he's starting at corner force, playing in there uh, at the end of the ball game at the corner position. So he's extremely versatile. Um, Again, I'm really proud of him and his maturity that he's shown over the three years that we've been here. Um, and he's a prime example of you know, developing not only players on the football field, but developing young men into men and uh, just proud of him and, and all that he does. And I,
0: I do. I wish he got more recognition for the player that he is. Steve Sarkeesian talking about Jaday Barron, a uh, Thorpe Award semifinalist. He's one of 15 semifinalists and. um yeah, Jade is the man. I mean, you go back and look at he was the best defensive player on the field in the OU game. He just like tried to will that team to victory. Um, Wyoming, he had five third down stops. Five. Um TCU last year, two and a half tackles for loss. The guy just kept blowing up. TCU's bubble screen, and you know, Jade had the interception to start the Alabama game. So he just shows up every single time you need a play. And you and you heard Sarkeesian that Ethan Burke gets the strip sack because Howard wanted to throw it and Jade Barron had it covered. And and so Ethan Burke gets the strip sack. Jalen Ford recovers it at the at the five. And Jonathan Brooks takes it in for a touchdown the next play. That was because of a Barron. So the guy has been an absolute animal. Yeah. And hopefully
1: him being the semifinalist for the Thorpe Award, award excuse me, it's hard to say, um, that he gets the recognition because he's going to be a steal in this year's draft. I don't know what he's projected. I haven't looked at mock drafts for him. I'll definitely have that for you for tomorrow. But yeah, he's going to be a steal for some team. They're gonna get a hell of a player that you heard Sark talking about all the things that they can do with him from blitzing, from playing, you know, corner on out wide, playing the slot. You could throw him as a safety, you know, he disguises as a linebacker at times. He's just so versatile, you know. Under the right defense and the right coordinators, he's gonna be able to fit no matter what. So yeah, man, him I don't think people are testing them really right now. Like right. People are probably like, man, John A. Barron seems quiet because nobody's throwing his way. Nobody's really running his way. They're trying to avoid him. That's how you know you're that dude. When teams are trying to avoid you and exploit different matchups because it's not worth the risk, that's how you know you're that dude. And he's that dude, man. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting from here on out. How Pete Kukowski and this just defensive scheme, how they keep on using them from week to week, depending on what they're being thrown at from the offenses of TCU, Iowa State and Texas Tech. Because, yeah, man, he's a problem. And when you're going over your scouting report, trying to figure out what Texas, you know, what you could do to beat Texas it's not go at 23. That's what it should be like. We beat this team by not going at 23. If he happens to be in the vicinity, so be it. We know he's a good player, but the more you try to do that, the better your chances are.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny Barron deserves a great meal at Salt Trader's Coastal Cooking. I'll tell you that. He can eat off the beginning's menu during happy hour, $5 off those appetizers. You order, I mean, you got the grilled oysters, the, the uh, New Orleans barbecue shrimp, the chowder fries. Um, just go to order off the beginning's menu, $5 off each of those appetizers. Order family style. You will eat like a king and queen. And they've got the Zilker location and the Round Rock location up there at Old Settlers. Get the Salt Traders. Um, happy hour. to 6.30 every day, 3.30 to close on Mondays. So date night, Monday night, you know what I'm saying? Picking up what I'm putting down. Um, And don't forget also um, if you've got a kid in sports or maybe you're the team manager, team mom, brain vault mouth guards are the best. And they are proven. They're patented because they've, shown that they will reduce the effects of concussion brain vault mouth guard developed by dr greg eckert dr u e c k e r t um they'll come to you they'll do team fittings um just go to brainvault.com to set up an appointment all right zay we got to get to the right call my man Yeah, man, before we get to the right call, shout out to Covert B Cave and the
1: Covert Auto Group, the family-owned auto group and dealerships that have been serving the greater Austin area for over a hundred years. They've been getting people out of their hoopties and their buckets for over a hundred years and they have Upgraded, and you can do that at Covert B Cave with the seven terrific brands to choose from: from Dodge, Cadillac, Chrysler, Buick, GMC, Ram, and Jeep. You will get hooked up at Covert B Cave. So, if you want to check out all the latest specials and inventory, go to covertbcave.com or go visit the crew down there at the beautiful 42 acres because they are committed to providing you with a just high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. The seven brands that I just named. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip, a little bit of petty and saltiness, which what, is, what else is new? It's the right cause is what we do here. So the Utah Jazz in their arena that they have down there in Salt Lake City, which is a pretty underrated city. I think Salt Lake's beautiful. You know, they have the Olympics there, Park City, not too far. So, beautiful place, you know. Tourists like to go ski and stuff. Obviously, it's better in the winter. Salt Lake City, I think, gets a bad rap because of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and what people come to think when it comes to Utah going against Mike. You got... Michael Jordan and Scotty, the Bulls were cool, the dynasty, and then you got the Utah Jazz. Malone, who has his own weird issues off the court. We're not going to address that right now. Leave that to Brad Kellner because he loves talking about it. Uh, John Stockton, who's a conspiracy theorist nowadays. He was very popular when COVID was as hot as covid was a few years ago so they're they're different you know they're different over at utah and plus the flu game with michael jordan now they you know four guys came to jordan's door with a big ass box of pizza which was sketchy and he ended up getting food poisoning but that ended up making the most memorable one of the most memorable nba moments of all time one of my favorite moments of all time that game five 1997 flu game so the Jazz, they remember that. They remember what Jordan did to them. They remember all those things, and they definitely remember the shot. The shot that MJ hit in 98, game six, right after he laid the ball up. The Jazz come back down on the other end. Karl Malone gets it in the post. Hey, Carl, they need the ball. Maybe if you look to your right, you could see Michael Jordan lurking. He did it. Jordan strips him, dribbles it up the court, crosses Byron Russell, but gives a little push, a little push, and snatches it back and hits the shot, maybe the greatest shot in NBA history. And the Utah Jazz are still thinking about it. How do I know this, Chip? Because if you're in that arena and you want to sign up for the Wi-Fi, it is called Jordan pushed off. That's the Wi-Fi. (laughs) Jordan pushed off like that is so petty that is so salty the Jazz have not ever won an NBA championship obviously since then or ever those were their best chances those Stockton and Malone days They had some decent teams when they had Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer, but they could just never get over the hump because the Lakers and the Spurs were still running the West back in the 2000s. But, man, you would think this team would be over it or just a whole organization, and it's pretty funny, too. I guess they're joking about it in a way, but, yo, I've always thought that Jordan push-off, if that was any other player, any other player – that might get called. But since it's Mike, he knows. Jordan, There's certain calls, especially after the bad boy Pistons retired and stuff. And once Jordan won that first ring and became the real face of the league and the dream team and all that stuff, those, those refs were holding that whistle for a lot of the stuff that MJ did. So I, I get it. Jordan said he
0: barely touched him that his momentum was carrying him that's
1: not na- that's not a natural move it's not i've seen a lot of step backs i watched kevin durant my whole life basically and kevin durant does not push his arm when he does a step back jumper it's natural momentum like jordan didn't have to put his arm out but he did So it's always going to be questioned. And he's like, Brian Russell, he plays on his tippy toes. So he was prone to do that and stuff. All right. All right. Look, my middle name's Jordan. So I'm just being objective here. Mike, you pushed off a little bit. Would I have made the call as the best basketball official, uh, excuse me, best high school basketball official in Central Texas history? Probably not. Probably not, because I like to let them play at the end of the game. So, and, you know, it was very just, it was light. It was a light shove. But if he would have just, you know, if, if, right. if he would have just, you got to call it. But it's Mike, and this is, we got KD on, who's the biggest Jordan fan that I know. He, he'll,
3: I know he'll say it wasn't no shove. Oh, KD. He was already going that direction, bro. In fact, the left hand only added to what was. It was like a fake shooter, like yeah. I mean, gunman. Like no, it was not. He, he was already heading that direction. Like yeah. no, his momentum was already going there. And I said that before I actually looked at the replay real time, but I was right. Uh, well, I was being a homer at the time, but I was right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
1: Those Utah fans, they're still hurt because you remember those jazz teams that Jerry Sloan had. Oh, I, I
3: like, hated those guys, man. I've never hated white guys on a basketball court more. Like Portisac and Stockton with their knees sticking out. And like, you know, I mean, th- those guys were dirty, man. Dirty, oh, really? dirty, dirty, More than Danny Ainge and She-Sting of the Celtics. Uh, that's a good call there, Chip. Yeah, no, but it was very—it was like having three Danny Ainges with a lamb beer, like who impregnated them. Yeah, but you would respect
1: Ainge because he'd actually fight. Stockton and yeah. Hornacek weren't fighting. They've let no. Malone and Carr and Osterlind yeah.
3: do all that shit. Danny Ainge was also six five and played for the Blue Jays. Most people don't know that Danny Ainge played Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah,
3: Danny Ainge was a great. And Chip knows he's not like. He was a great athlete, Chip. Yeah. He was a – Danny Ainge is not the guy you want to run into. I will say this. I was living with a uh, – this sounds weird. Living with a guy, rooming with a guy. <laughs> we had a house together. We were friends, played for the Celtics, Chris Mim. And when he when he got traded to the Celtics, you know, Mim's gone all the time. And so the, we had, like, an old-school uh, phone recorder. And Danny Ainge called and left a message. And I played it over and over. I'm like, that's Danny Ainge, man. Like, that's
0: pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Well, you need to tell the Chris Mim story about when he went with Luke Walton to the Waltons' house.
3: Oh, God. And
0: Mim wakes up early and he goes into the kitchen, and there's Bill Walton buck naked. <laughs> buck naked. It's the one in
3: Arizona, and Chip, you and I obviously have had a couple of drinks and talked about this, and you probably got it other places too. But yeah, Bill Walton would walk around the house totally naked, and Luke and Chris are friends, and um, they had the teepee outside, which was real. But no, I mean, Bill Walton's not messing around, bro. Like, but can you imagine like, some seven-foot, broken-down, red-haired, ginger, white dude like, with his floppy dick just floating around I mean it's like, it's like you guys want any eggs like no I'm all good man how about want some sausage, sausage? yeah okay. sausage definitely no sausage a
0: hey, tray how about some bubble gum dive <laughs> conference of champions it's gone where did it go conference of champions it's gone I love
1: it did he have to take so many drugs man it wasn't just
3: weed. It was, oh, more no. than you know, was very open yeah. about
0: his psychedelics. You had to endure that foot pain somehow, some way.
3: Yeah. No. Well, he also had such bad doctors. If you go back to his, even like at the Portland, they're they're misdiagnosing stuff and just shooting stuff in the wind on his. You know, and if if you, I'm sure, probably all four of us have had a broken bone in your foot or hands, like. The bones and the ligaments are so small, you gotta
0: be precise there, man. Yeah. And yeah, they he's are. Kind of like witch doctors.
3: Yeah. Feet, especially, they're as complex as a suspension bridge.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I, how complex things? is that? I can fill y'all with stories. I got mangled tree branches for feet. So I've had surgery, rebuilt an entire like the bridge on my right foot. It's a mess. I will never be in sandals around anyone because I don't want to <laughs> subject them to that.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Basketball right.
3: players are notorious for having the ugliest feet. Yeah.
0: Hammered toes. Yeah. Do you oh, know yeah. it
3: was the worst feet I've ever seen of any athlete ever? And I mean, it, it looked like a car wreck in the middle of a volcano in a tornado. Scotty it, Pippen. Larsa, Larsa, funny enough, his <laughs> wife now uh, no, um, no, she probably has beautiful feet. Um, Dikembe Mutombo, did you say that? Sam?
1: No, no, I said
3: Shaq. Dikembe's feet were, yeah. First off, they're you know size twenty three, so you can't miss them. But they, I've never seen more a mangled hand or foot than that.
1: You know, and he was African too, so he was running around barefoot like crazy in his view.
3: Exactly.
1: Chasing cheetahs and hyenas and all types of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: chasing <and laughs> cheetahs.
1: No, no, no. That's my cue. I gotta go. I love you guys. I love gotta,
3: y'all, y'all Do, do it, it. Do, do, it. Right do it. it. Do it. Guys. Guys. I mean, my goodness.